broadcasting from Littlehampton, UK. This is the Man Up Podcast. Loading in five, four, three, two, one. When I first moved to Littlehampton, mm. um, I was a lodger with this wonderful couple, David yeah. and Heather, who had um, well six kids. Most of them had left home, and little Benjamin had come along. Fifteen years after after the uh, the next youngest, wow. two years old. Wow! I'm the lodger in this house, and we're always having lots of banter. Me and particularly Anna, who was seventeen, eighteen, and larking around. And um, I was there for three months. It was mm. fantastic. Only snag. I had to sleep downstairs because being six foot three, I couldn't fit into the bunk bed upstairs <laughs> at the very top of the house. So every night, I had to get me duvet and me pillows and. Scramble oh, downstairs, gotcha. sleep on this sofa bed. So you must have got woken up each morning. Like, uh, well, I'm at the crack of dawn anyway, oh, but I used right. to wake them up. Because as was my, uh, you know me, I'm a creature of habit, Tony. You are. So every night at 10.15, I'd walk along to a little pub at the end of the road, have a couple of beers. <laughs> After a couple of beers, and you're trying to get a duvet down from the top flight of a three-storey house. <laughs> I often, uh, at times, <laughs> lost my footing and down the stairs. But... The one thing that Heather always used to say to us, David and Heather, the mum, was, concerning Benjamin, mm. two little eyes are watching you, two little ears are listening to everything you say, and one little brain is taking it all in. Wow. And I thought, isn't that fantastic? Yeah, a little bit creepy, where are these eyes? Like? <laughs> <laughs> there's the eyes over there, there's the ears but in the drawer. Do you know what? Wow. Isn't that true? It's true, though. Kids suck it all in. They're like a sponge. They, they, they say, um, psychologists talk about the idea that, um, I read in this book, uh, How to Raise Your Children, like in the first four years of a child's life, it takes it, the, bit, the, the child takes in more information than they do for the rest of their entire existence. Wow. So the four, those first four years, four or five years, you're you, you, you just you're taking it all those little nuances of interaction. They're watching everything, soaking it all in. That's obviously where they will learn the basics of language. Wow. So these things that we model are really, really key with oh, kids. totally. The things we do say... Yeah. They're watching all the time. They're watching how you react in situations, and 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 because they are at that age, you just think yeah, you have no reference point apart from what you're seeing in that very moment. Yeah. You see? And um, yeah, like I, I see my kids. It's, it's hilarious when I see my kids and they they emulate little phrases. I go, where'd you get like like a little girl? She was only one, even before she was two. When she just started talking, she was just turning two. And then, and I tickle before I tickle, she goes, "Don't even think about it." Like that, like, <laughs> and she didn't even know any how to do normal words. Wow. Well. And she went, "Don't even think about." it. And I was like, "Where did you get that from?" And then I remember playing with my little boy, and he was like, "Come here," and I went, "Don't even think about." It. And I was like, "Oh my, I say that." Yeah. And she seen it, and she kind of like Polly Parrot. She yeah. she followed it, followed it away in her head. She, I think this is what grown ups say. Crikey! And like some some of the um, phrases that my my both my kids use a lot I go where where did they when you get that and then sometimes I watch like um, let's say like Peppa Pig there's loads of little phrases yeah. that I see them doing that are in the I go oh that's where you got it from we watch a lot of Peppa Pig in our house <laughs> we really do we um because my kids uh, they're not as much now but they used to get up really early Jojo oh, used to get up at like 5am I remember just watching Peppa Pig one morning there was a moment where it was like about half five in the morning I had Peppa Pig on 
and it was the one where Danny Pig loses his glasses. Right? Oh, it's a it's a classic. That's a cliffhanger, and, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it's a cliffhanger, and uh, you know, yeah, don't give away the ending. Uh, and so basically, <laughs> spoiler this, alert. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they they um uh, so they spend the entire episode looking for Daddy Pig's glasses, and then right at the end, the big reveal yes. is he'd been sat on them all the time. Can you believe it? And so my little boy, he's laughing. All the pigs at the end laugh, and I'm sat there thinking, I'm glad I got up for this. <laughs> but it is TV is a yeah. big, big influence as well. And 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 sometimes I think we can almost kind of uh, rely on others, whether that be school or TV or whoever, to yeah. kind of we kind of supplant that kind of um, responsibility. But actually, you've got to really be on it. You've got to be thinking, right? What, how do I? Mm. If I'm, if I, if you're going to emulate me, how do I need to live? Exactly. We were at traffic lights when, when my kids were much, much younger, mm. and uh, it was amber, red, whatever. And uh, my five-year-old shouted, "Come on, Granddad!" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Flipping heck! She's heard me say that. She's heard Some that. old Come boy in front Morgan. taking a long time to." <laughs> To move on. So she's saying it to you. She's like, <laughs> behave. I'm your dad. <laughs> I am. Um, well, yeah. And we, we try and um, have a culture of not shouting in our house and, uh, you know, mutual respect, but also um, not swearing. Okay. And so um, a, friend, a friend of ours, uh, she had the, her kids in, in the back, right? And she was um, reversing the car into a space, and she couldn't do it. Mm. And she drove away, right? And she she kind of cussed under her breath, right? And the kid in the back, he was about say four at the time. He went, "Mummy, what's a fox cake?" Right? Oh no! <laughs> Can you believe it? She's like she's mortified. <laughs> ask your teacher. Yeah, ask your teacher. <laughs> Give it ten years. <laughs> yeah, but it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. They take it all in. So it's essential. What are we modelling? You're listening to the Man Up Podcast with Steve Legg and Tony Vino. Here's one for you, Tony. Oh, yeah. I just read this. Um, vicars in the southwest of England have been invited to learn techniques of stand-up comedy at the Christian Resources Exhibition. Stand Up for Jesus special one-day comedy workshop at the two-day event. What do you look, make of this? Look at that. Well... I think it's Did you get the gig, one. by the way? Uh, you, yeah. you <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I have done, because I do do uh, comedy workshops, and I have done um, workshops for uh, preachers and vicars, and, you know, um, I do a lot with the Methodists, actually, the Methodist oh. preachers, yeah. And, and, and I think, on a serious note, I think it's, it's great, because stand-up is probably the most raw form of communication you know and I think I think it can instruct any other public speaking uh, field you know particularly preachers and communicators like Vickers I think it's great you know that the techniques of stand-up are really really um good at sharpening any other form of of communication and and it'd be interesting to see how how the clergy get on Vickers think they're funny already they say, well, this is part of the problem isn't it <laughs> It's another one of my flipping bugbears. People yeah. who aren't funny trying to be funny. Well, this is, you don't I, have to be funny no, to be a great communicator. Chill out. Just just be poignant in three points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah, but because I, I, I like I do um, quite a lot of church gigs and I do um, diocesan conferences to to vicars. Right, <laughs> they're tough gigs because I tell you diocesan diocesan. Oh, I thought diocesan. Where, all yeah. the Hoover guys. Yeah. <laughs> For a weekend away at a little hotel in yeah, man. Uh, this gig Malmesbury. sucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, diocesan clergy conferences. That's easy for you to say. Tony. Yeah, not anymore. Uh, get past me that brandy. Uh, but but they are they are tough because 
because they're all they're very, they're very confident and so they shout loads of stuff out but also they think they're funny as well so like it takes a while for them to kind of for me to basically have to stamp down and go you know go look you're here to listen to me for yeah. this next hour, right? They're somewhere. all heckling you. Heckling and you're like, right, What's your best on. heckle? I mean, they love it. They love it. <laughs> What's your best heckle from a vicar? From a, ooh, from a vicar. Crikey. I can't remember, actually. Go on, what's yours? I wish I hadn't asked the question. Because, <laughs> of I, course, we, we, we often forget that Jesus was the master communicator. He was. Amazing storyteller. No props. Though he referred to hilarious things. I mean, he talks about a camel going through the eye of the needle. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was just so culturally relevant. And that's it, you know, Jesus, you know, used loads of, we actually go into the original Hebrew and like all the little turns of phrase. And I think that's one of the things about comic communication is about the, the, the minutiae of how words sound and speak. Sure. Like, wow, if you could listen to Jesus in, in the original, you know, Aramaic that, that he'd speak, wow, you know, and all those little turns of phrases, mm. it'd be, it'd just be unbelievable. I remember being at one diocesan conference, right, and then... Um, and this uh, vicar came up to me and he was like, he said, um, you know, there is a lot of crossover between preaching and comedy. I said, really? He goes, yes. He says, when I'm preaching, sometimes I like to be funny. And I'm like, very good. <laughs> I said, you know what? Actually, when I'm uh, doing comedy, sometimes I like to be boring. So, uh, <laughs> I bet you love that. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. It'll be interesting to see what happens on the other side of that because there's some really good... Uh, ministers doing a bit of comedy nowadays. Like I've, um, there's a guy up in Liverpool, Alan Finnegan. Oh yeah, same with him. Yeah, who's a Baptist minister and he's doing really well on the circuit. Um, he's got some great stuff. He goes, look, I'm a, I'm a, he's, he's a scout. So he's like, I'm a Baptist minister. And then, then he has to describe what that is because people understand what a vicar is, yeah. but most people in comic books wouldn't know what a Baptist exactly. minister is. Like he's like, it's not a cult. All right, I have to start with that, and then he go, and then he goes on from there. But as far as good communication, everyone's a winner, really, aren't they? Absolutely. If it, if it helps us communicate this message, we, I think we often forget that this message isn't rules and regulations. It's not boring. It's not uh, you can't do this and you can't do that. It is a message that's very much alive, and this actual word gospel means good news, and it's. Good news is for sharing, isn't it? Something amazing happens. Let's tell people in as many possible ways. Yeah, good news is for sharing. And what what a gift this message is that, you know, at the heart of it, you know, the world is created by a benevolent, loving God who loves us, who's created an access for us to be in communion with God. That's such an incredible message that actually there is a bit of an onus on us in all areas of life to actually communicate it, communicate it quite well. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you're if you're doing it as a preacher, you know, getting better about it and, and sharpening your skills, I think is a really good thing to do. Like, which is why when I when I teach um, uh, preachers and clergy, one of the things to say is that you know take some stuff from stand up. Like, don't use notes as well. Like, you know, in in this day and age, nobody uses notes. You know, if you're yeah. doing a proper, if you look at TED talks and stuff like that. But you know, it's very dynamic. It's fast flowing. It's uh, and that you know they they eyeball the audience. Don't get anything in the way of you and the audience. Keep things fresh. Keep things punchy. Historically, a great big pulpit. A big pulpit, yeah. and that's what you know. And and it's just not it's culturally re- relevant anymore. Yeah. And so, in terms of communicating uh, your faith, communicating, you know, even if you're going into you know really deep stuff, you can you can do that in a way that is really engaging. You know, like involve the audience. Well, mm. you know, that one of the things with stand up and doing comedy is that you keep the audience on the toes by engaging. Sure. And, you know question point out have a, have, a, have a back and forth with them that kind of stuff really does bring everything um, alive I'd say 
The 60-Second Life Coach with Peter Horn. I've just watched a truly inspiring film called The Theory of Everything. It's about the brilliant scientist Stephen Hawking, and the film tells the story of his life and the beginnings of his postgraduate studies at Cambridge, through to after the publication of his best-selling book, A Brief History of Time. It's a story of amazing resilience against overwhelming odds. Whilst he was studying for his PhD, Hawking was diagnosed with the debilitating terminal illness, motor neurone disease. If you know anything about this disease, you'll realise how appalling it is because you you lose the, the use of your limbs and all your motor functions. He quickly became very disabled and he was given two years to live. But he and his wife were determined, determined not to let his difficult circumstances prevent him from completing his studies. They just kept looking for different ways to get round the problem and his worsening disability so that he could achieve his goal. Now, as you can imagine, like any of us, he had his bleak moments when he was first diagnosed, when he he just wanted to give up and abandon everything. But he pressed on and just kept looking for ways around the problem. What I find so challenging about the story is that he didn't let those circumstances dictate everything in his life. He just kept looking for ways to get around the problem, to circumvent those major obstacles that were presented to him. So when you feel like giving up, because it seems as though everything is stacking up against you, why don't you give yourself a two-hour break and watch this thought-provoking and well-acted film? You'll probably feel completely different at the end of it. You're listening to the Man Up Podcast with Steve Legg and Tony Vino. So I've been reading about Elton John. Oh yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen Elton John live. Um, I've not. No, I've I've seen. Well, I've seen um, um, a video of him live. But is that? <laughs> that doesn't count in the slightest. <laughs> Just say no. Uh, I have seen Elton John it? live one New Year's Eve. And it was a great gig, you know. Have you? Really good gig. Really? But just reading about his new 23-night Las Vegas tour, £330,000 he's going to be earning. From, as in what? For the whole for the whole thing, £330,000. A lot of money. £23,000. £660 a ticket. Wow. That's, that's I mean, probably about a thousand bucks. I'm thinking you've you've got to really love the circle of life to be paying that kind of top dollar, aren't you? Caesar's Palace. He's going to be there, and I understand there's no truth in the rumor. He's been asked to be paying tokens for the slot machines. <laughs> Three hundred thirty thousand. Wow. Yeah. 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 You just, he could get one of those, you know, those huge buckets and sit by the slot machines. Yeah. I'm gonna be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I just, somebody find me someone to love. <laughs> wow. So I'm wondering, what's the most you've ever paid to see a gig? Sport. Um, yeah. Whatever. Uh, well, <laughs> I went to uh, went to the cinemas in London the other day. So <laughs> that was probably the most expensive. Honestly, right? It was me, a friend, and we had a couple of kids with us. Uh, 45 quid 45 what? quid for a movie for a movie there was like there was four kids and the two of us and and it was like during the day and I was like and what in I'm the like, daytime in the daytime as well a pound of tickets yeah, you know? yeah it was mental I mean I, I just I was I, it was right in it was in Kensington at the, at the um, Westfield Centre so it was re- but it was it was just so expensive uh, yeah so that you know I, I, comedy McIntyre was the most I paid 30 quid for a ticket for McIntyre that's still not a lot of money see I paid got 40 to see Bear Grylls 
who's a great fan of the magazine, great support. We love Bear to Bits. I love it. Four tickets cost nearly 200 quid. No. To see Bear? Yeah. I thought you mates. Can you give him a text? And, uh... Well, after I, I, I did email him, after I got the tickets, and he said, oh, mate, he said, come back and say hello. So that was lovely for the kids to do that. Yeah, yeah. He was great. I made a photo, but I thought, £50 a pop. Which oh, makes Michael McIntyre. Look, look, you know, quite, very quite reasonable. The, the thing is, really to expect. I'm going to the, see The Lion King this Thursday. It's up in Manchester. And it is, it's like 50, 60 quid a ticket. Mm. And you're thinking, you know, perhaps we, we almost need to kind of want to, I want to encourage people to get involved in sure. theatre. and it's, it's there's nothing like it. Absolutely. But we're, we're almost kind of like, it's, it's a bit of a culture tax. No, no wonder your ordinary folk it, you don't go often because you just can't afford to now. So... You know, let's just... I don't know I don't know what the answer is to that, keeping it... Well, I'll keep tell you what, let's change it slightly into organising events, because we've got loads of people listening in well, to the podcast, and we do events. We do we events. We picked up ideas and things, and we'd laugh about certain gigs and yeah. how much better it could have been, just with a, little, with a few little fine touches. So point us, Tony, for organising a decent event that you can invite your community to, high quality, fun, <laughs> you're not going to be embarrassed. Well, the, the thing is, it's... The, the, you've got your basics when it comes to live events stage lights and a microphone they're your, they're your three they actually like your holy trinity isn't yeah. it because the amount of events I mean we've done them together haven't we where we've got there and they went oh oh you you you, you wanted a microphone yes I wanted to like otherwise I'm a bloke shouting in the corner and, and, and just when it comes to a stage just something it could just be like a little block that just raises you up you know it's all these little it's the imperceptible things um, it's basically distancing yourself from a jukebox you know? <laughs> <laughs> trying to basically say look I'm not just a bloke shouting in a pub and you've got to create a show someone if you can't see them yeah so absolutely. you get that visibility you get the lighting right yeah you need to hear them what about layout of seats well everybody's going mad now for what they call cabaret style cabaret style like, what is look, cabaret it's style it's a comedy night not Moulin Rouge right <laughs> get them sat down in a row get them as close to the stage as possible because what happens is when they put them around these huge round tables um, it just distances yeah. them from you and kind of uh, it makes them feel more lethargic because they'll often have had the meal around the table yeah. or whatever. Get them in, get them as close to the stage as possible. That's what I say. And uh, what about charging for tickets? Now, we obviously, we can't charge 30 or 50 pounds. No, okay. keep it what to 25, 20. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I always think whatever happens, put a charge on, even if it's something minimal like three pounds or five pounds, or say if it's, you know, we've done. You know, like the Tricks and Laughs tour we did last year, we did 30, what, 30, 33, 35, 35 gigs or whatever. And um, uh, I think all of them were uh, were, were charged because we say, look, even if you're going to, if it's a church, you're going to give the tickets away, right? Put a value on it at least. You know what I mean? It's a, so, that, so otherwise, if someone thinks it's a free gig, they don't value it. Because actually, if you've got something that, that's free and you haven't invested anything into it, you, you might not go, or if you're going to go, you're not really going to listen. I think, particularly for guests who who aren't churchgoers, if if I invite you to an event and it's free, yeah, with a couple of comedians, I think you automatically think it's going to be rubbish. It's going to be r- absolutely. You know, these, and that, these boys are doing it for yeah. free. The whole thing's free. What is it? A talent night? Yeah. And and if they don't give you a stage and a mic and a bit of lighting, it is going to be rubbish. Yeah. It, it, because like there was. Um, uh, I remember reading in Malcolm Gladwell's book they did this um, experiment where they got a, um, a basketball event 
they got a team shooting hoops, practicing. And then they took that team out and they all changed their strip. They came back in and they dimmed the lights. Okay, And then that same team started practicing again. And obviously, because it was darker, they didn't hit as many hoops. And then they they surveyed the audience um, and they didn't know it was the same people. And they said, which team was better? And they went, oh, yeah, the first team were better. It was exactly the same team. Wow. Exactly the same team, exactly the same players. Just the ambience. But just the ambience. So basically the environment. And people don't take into account environment. And I've been at gigs where, you know, when everything's set up and it's beautiful, they go, oh, wow, that was amazing. And you go, well, actually it was just set up really well and you kind of ride that wave. But sometimes when you're fighting against... You know, I've done it in pubs where they've left the TV on. You you fight against Sky Sports One. I've got no chance. (laughs) I remember that night we did an Avi Mall with people on their phones tweeting, tweeting, chatting. The the stage at one end of the room, everyone sat at the other end of the room in a hotel with terrible lighting. Just. Not even spot. Not spot. It was just like fluorescent strip lights. Just, I mean, the whole thing smacked of. We were doing like some kind of public announcement, you know. Like, <laughs> it was, um, yeah. And 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 so we were we were on our back foot straight from the off. So that was one of those gigs where, because that, that's it. We did about I think it was thirty three or thirty five tricks in the last dates. All of them went well, apart from that one. And that was the one where we stayed over. Yes. <laughs> we saw breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah, so, you know, you, you want to kind of walk in like the, the showbiz, whereas, you know, it's like one of those, um, you know, American high school um, movies where we sit sit down at a table and it's they all walk off <laughs> to get their trays. The nerds are here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of Man Up. Of Man Up. Visit us online at sorted-magazine.com.